Kenan just told me to tell you hi. Oh, well, tell Kenan I said hi. <laughs> I'll tell him after. Alright, whatever. <laughs> Hello, this is the Crush Monocle Podcast. I am Aaron Cooper, also known as Coop in these circles. I am joined today with John, my co-host. Hi, John. Hello, hello, hello. One of these days, we'll rename this site so it matches the fucking podcast title. Well, either way, <laughs> until then, until then, it's a really cool podcast title. Yeah, that cool. There we go. See? <laughs> um, this is a podcast where we talk about stuff. Let's talk about stuff. some stuff with Coop and John. <laughs> <laughs> That's the lyrics of the theme song, if you didn't catch that. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to take this opportunity really fast to do a small corrections corner. Okay. There wasn't any mistakes in the first episode. It was a perfect podcast that uh, I think that the entire universe would enjoy. <laughs> or at least the 150 people that clicked on it. I just want to say that this is the second attempt at the second episode. That's why there's been a slight delay. We recorded an episode with our original podcast host, Mike. Uh, but unfortunately... Uh, his audio was really jacked up. He recorded it with his cell phone. Yeah, and it sounded like he was recording on a raft in some Huck Finn territory. So, <laughs> And audio quality is the utmost importance when listening to a podcast because, you know, you have to listen to it. So, uh, so I'm sorry, Mike. Maybe in the future we can do this one more time. So I mean, that's my corrections corner. Let's, let's be honest and just say that maybe that conversation wasn't the best conversation was fine if the people listening right now don't know mike mike is very argumentative with his topics and his opinions i think some of his talk topics are a little outdated we don't really need another hour and a half episode about kanye west again for the people <laughs> who didn't listen to the podcast that didn't get released it was mostly about kanye west <laughs> yeah 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 we definitely we definitely like yeah what did we hit on? Like Kanye West, Pearl Jam, and then Nine Inch Nails. That's like what we talked about, right? Uh, that's what Mike talked about. I really didn't do a lot of talking. <laughs> I mean, I talked a little bit. I was, I was in there. I was in there. <laughs> I have a skeleton of an episode. Um, I don't think it's good enough to drop on the whole world, but maybe one of these days. Uh, oh, I guess I should finish after like run and jive on Mike. Mike, if you listen to this, which you won't, I love you, buddy. But yeah, it, come on and, another time and whatever. And me too. I'm also a big fan of Mike. Like I said, I love the original podcast. And I was a guest quite a few times yes, on you the were. pod. Yes, you were. And uh, I would love to have Mike again in the future uh, when he's less grumpy and has better <laughs> recordings. All right. All right. Are we going to get into this thing? We're going to get into this thing. First, I would like to ask you, what have you listened to recently that you really, really liked? Um, the new King Woman album, I think, is pretty spectacular. Um, it's kind of, for those that don't know King Woman, um, it's kind of a gothic, heavy, uh, I guess, type vibe, rock vibe. Um, and they just put out a new album, well, probably like a couple weeks ago, something like that. Um, okay. Really good. Uh, I can't remember the uh, front person's name, but her vocals are spectacular. Um, they really kind of stepped it up production-wise, song-wise, all that stuff. I was a fan before and uh, probably a bigger fan now that that album has dropped. And I'm such like a lame-ass, I can't even remember the name of the album. They have a cool band name, so I'm sure we can, we can find that pretty easy. 
Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, so the album's called Celestial Blues. Obviously, it's on Bandcamp, all the streaming services, whatnot. So, yeah, check it out. Ah, cool. I uh, An album that I listened to here recently, well, two things. Being that I bought a new guitar, I've been trying to play more guitar more right. often. Right. Um, so I try to listen to a lot of stuff, a lot of guitar-heavy stuff that I not really, I don't really listen to often. So I really wanted to check out the Allman Brothers. I know a lot of their, you know, the old classic rock group from a million years ago. Yep. I've listened to a lot of their singles, How Could You Not? Yeah. But I... I for the past couple of weeks, I listened to every single thing I could find from the Allman Brothers. <laughs> nice. Which is a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of live stuff. Yeah. And they're freaking fantastic. I How have I not listened to these people this much before? <laughs> it's just really, really good. Nice. I, yeah, I, I actually uh, ran a show for those dudes once back in the day. Really? Yeah, like probably so like sometime in the mid-2000s, they were doing just like an amphitheater tour or whatever. But yeah, Were they nice? Yeah, they actually, I mean, you know, you'd think like, fuck, it's the Allman Brothers, they're going to be kind of like snooty, they, you know, that type shit. They were mm-hmm. just a bunch of old dudes that were just fucking super chill, like, everybody was nice, like, yeah, it was a, out of all the shows I've done, like, that was an easy one, so. <sighs> that's that's great, though, I mean, there's I think there's only like, what, a couple of those dudes left from that band. I know the Allman Brothers themselves aren't around anymore, but yeah, I mean, so that's a good, uh, big win. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not obviously like I know the hits, but like I'm not super versed on like them as a band, so I don't know yeah. what original members were left or even when what year that show was. So I have no idea. But yeah, <laughs> just a couple of super nice old guys. So they're like Leonard Skinner that don't suck. <laughs> yeah, word word. Yeah, like yeah, Leonard only hits on like three, four songs tops, and then everything yeah. else is fucking terrible. I won't listen to Leonard Skinner. I hate them. I hate I hate the people that like Leonard Skinner. Yeah, dude, I know that's like, not yeah, fair. Yeah, that's definitely like turned into like a very like kind of right winged toxic fan base, right? <laughs> I, I guess a bunch of crazy drunk deads. Yeah. <laughs> Coop, I want to know why you didn't name the new Guns N' Roses song your favorite thing that you've heard. That may be the worst song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> dude, it wasn't that bad. It's bad. It's pretty okay, bad. Okay, look. It's pretty bad. All right, look. I know you're a GNR dude. I like GNR. I, I, hey, 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 okay. hey. I don't want to be painted as a GNR dude. I never once said I was a GNR dude. <laughs> look, 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 look. I think November Rain is a fucking amazing song. Okay? Yeah. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's fucking insanely amazing. Like, it really is. Okay. But, right. like, I like the hits, I guess. And, like, but mm-hmm. I you, you're not going to, like, catch me, like, throwing on, like, Use Your Illusion 2 and just fucking rocking out. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> I don't think anyone in that band would actually do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, they like they're just like the set. Like, obviously, this seems it sounded like like a like a Chinese democracy like outtake or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And here's like, the thing. Here's the thing that I have with this new song. Go go for it. For y- for years, everyone has given Axl Rose a lot of hell for, like, oh, he turned GNR into something that they weren't. Right. You know, it's Chinese democracy for 20 years. Right. And what we got, it's not good. This has got the original lineup, pretty much. I mean, it's got no, that hasn't Flash been con- and Duff. that hasn't been confirmed. Do you, are you for sure on that? Because the only personnel that I could find when I looked up looked it up the day that it dropped was just that... Do you remember that um, drummer they used to have that used to drum for Primus 2? I think his name's, like... 
Brian Mantua or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only confirmed person on that track was him, from what I understood. Okay. So I don't, All right. I'm not sure that it has any of the, like, OG guys on it. Well, it has to because they're touring. Yeah. And and the guy that does all the guitar noodling sounds like Slash. And Slash, Slash is not going to sign off on something Guns N' Roses with a dude imitating him. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, okay. I'm looking and it up two, now to see if anything has like changed, but when I looked at the wiki, they weren't they didn't like say like who was on. Well, um, it also has a punk vibe, which I would usually love. Um, and Duff is the punk dude. And yeah, so Duff's, de- Duff's definitely on this. I'm not seeing anything about Slash though. Uh, well, see, th- if if that dude's just imitating Slash, because it clearly sounds like Slash, that guitar soloing. Yeah. Um, then that could be contention, and we could have another breakup nope. with GNR. <laughs> Never mind. I glossed over it. Slash and Duff are on this. Yeah, okay. All right. So back to my point. People give hell to Axl Rose so much over turning Guns N' Roses into Chinese democracy. Right, right. This has got two OGs on it, and it still sucks. Yeah. So I'm going to take back a little bit of that Axl Rose crap that we've given them over the years. Dude, the thing that's nuts, right, is like, okay, like if you think of Chinese democracy when I guess maybe it should have come out, you know, obviously it wasn't ready and like, that whole fiasco, right? Like, we don't even need to get into that. But let's just say, like, you know, they dropped it, like, when it would have made sense around, like, 99, 2000, something like that, right? Right, right, right. That, at that time, it would have sounded, like, okay or contemporary or whatever, right? Because it's, like, this, like, mm-hmm. industrial kind of rock kind of whatever. That's kind of what everybody was doing back in the day, right? Like, Linkin mm-hmm. Park was coming out, you know, Prodigy, Nine Inch Nails. I don't want to start talking about Nine Inch Nails again, but you know what I'm saying. Right. But when that thing dropped, like, fucking eight years later, and, like, nobody was even making that kind of music now, and like or that type of music, like, back in, what was it, like, 2008, I think is when it dropped, or something I, like that? I think so, yeah. 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 And so, like, now here we are in 2021, and they're still dropping, like, alt-industrial, I don't even know what the fuck. You know what I mean? And like. It, and that's fine. It's so Look, dated. It's so fucking dated. Okay, that's fine. They can do dated music. It's Guns N' Roses. Like, it's a rite of passage for them to be dated. Yeah. We shouldn't even care about Guns N' Roses in 2021. I know, I know. I, the fact that I even made this a tangent, I actually feel a little ashamed. But I kind of wanted but, you to shit all over the song because I was going to make me laugh. <laughs> well, I mean, they suck at it. I mean, it's not because it's outdated it sounds bad. It sounds bad because it legitimately sounds bad. There's nothing redeemable. That sample, that constant scream, it's not even a full Axel scream. The lyrics are embarrassing. Look, yeah, the I like the misfits. The lyrics are I like, bad. I like the misfits. This makes the misfits lyrics sound like Lennon McCartney. Um, <laughs> I, when I looked them up, I couldn't believe he was actually saying this with a straight face. <laughs> it's the worst it's might be the worst so yeah so that's the thing that uh, that that's one good thing i hate it good good catch because i really didn't have anything that i hated uh, um i listened to the new liars album oh yeah 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 the, the apple drop yeah and it is i want to say it's probably my favorite record of the year already yeah i mean the fact the fact that they or that Angus, I don't know his last name, Angus Andrew or whatever, right? It's basically kind of mm-hmm. his yep. band at this point, right? 
Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, um, our friend Kendon that you guys don't know, or maybe you do anyways, he was in charge of the Ad Read podcast, but he he's really good friends with Coop and myself, and he kind of pointed out that it dropped and pointed out the fact that he's, you know, that uh, Angus is working with this kind of jazz drummer now. And I, the fact that there was like live drums to their kind of like, electronic kind of vibey you know like moody sound like that that really like that really like sold me on it like i love the like organic kind of drum kit with their like vibe if that makes sense yeah you can't go wrong with a live kit with any kind of music but especially with this kind of thing um i saw them at riot fest a few years ago i actually interviewed that dude for yeah you did yeah you you because you you interviewed angus didn't you for the site um but when i saw them do their set he played with a live band and he still did all all the the ambient and crazy stuff stuff that he didn't do on the album yeah yeah that's dope it's it's still a digital album i mean right there's live instruments on it but it's uh to me it sounds a lot like their earlier stuff yeah. maybe not like their guitar driven stuff but like the when they first started getting moody yeah um, this is a, a, a good follow-up to that and i can't i can't stress it enough if you've ever listened to liars listen to this record yeah for sure good album for sure perfect segue the other thing that i was before we talked about gnr i was gonna say that i hate it was the space jam movie <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay i'm not gonna stick on this too long because i wrote an article about it shameless plug go read my article about <laughs> space jam if you want to know my full-on opinions but in short it sucked like really bad maybe not as bad as the gnr song but it it sucked <laughs> But uh, my segue into that was, do you know when the original Space Jam came out? 96. It came out in 1996, 25 (laughs) years ago. See, I'm getting better at podcasting. That was a segue. Yeah, but they don't even know why we're segueing into 1996. Oh, that's right. Thank you, John. I'm segueing into 1996 because that is our discussion topic today. We're going to talk about all the weird stuff in 1996 and why it was weird. And how, even though it was the middle of the decade, it signified the death of the 90s. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, like, I did, like, you know, like, obviously, like, we grew up 1996. Obviously, we were around all that shit. And, Mm -hmm. like, off the top of my head, I'm just like, yep, that album, that album, that movie, that movie, that album, that album. You know, like, I just keep going, right? Yeah. But I really, like looked it up a little bit more after you know you told me that this was going to be the subject for the podcast and like just an insane amount of like good music came out in 1996 like insane yeah and it's funny because um the first okay the elephant in the room comes out when we're talking about 1996 we've got to talk about bill clinton for a minute again not politics but (laughs) people don't realize that the Telecommunications Act of 1996 was signed into law um, like in February or something like that. And in short, without making this a big boring thing, it was the Internet was just becoming like a force when, with communications in 1996. And all the people who make money on communications thought, hey, we can make a crap ton of money on this. So we want to make it a we want to make it easy for anybody to get into the communications business. Yeah. So that was actually supposed to help the way we consume art, be it be from the internet, um, you know, television, all these things. But 
in the middle of all the, the legislation and all that stuff inside of it, they remove the cap of ownership of communication companies. Now, you would think that would open the doors to everybody can own a radio station or an internet channel or whatever. Yeah. But what that did when they removed the cap on how many they can own, that basically opened the floodgates for the companies to own uh, an unlimited amount of radio stations across the country. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize this. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's weird because not too many people talk about this, and this is not my opinion. You can dig deep and you can find this. I talked to some people um, who actually used to work in like AR and all that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, they talked about it. I don't want to name drop them on here because I don't know what they do for a living now or so. Sure. But um, the long and short of it is basically up until 1996, they all had the same radio laws as they did in 1939, I think, yeah. or 34. That was the last time there was any kind of communications at so before 1996, you was only allowed like a big company could only. I live in Chicago. Yeah. So let's say a, a company like iHeartRadio or Live Nation, they can only own two stations in the market. Okay. Okay. So that means when they own those stations, they can play what they want. Right. Every other station was independent, so they had those stations had to play what people requested or what they felt like people should be hearing. Wow, this is getting a lot deeper than I expected. Holy shit! Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so this can come back to Nirvana. Okay, you know, up throughout the eighties, um, you know, rock music got super stagnant, hair metal and all that stuff. Right. But when Nirvana came out, like it blew everyone's minds because you know it's Nirvana. Right. They weren't hair metal. Right. So in 1991 or whatever, when Nirvana was big, all the record labels, the major labels, saw that Nirvana money. Right. So they went out and they signed anybody and everybody who is a band because they were looking for the next weird Nirvana. Yeah, like so many fucking random bands got signed in the 90s. Like just, it's like bands that had no business being on like major labels were signed in the, in the 90s. Like just insane. Like... Yeah, so, um, and, like, there was still heavy hitters back then. There was still a lot of the big groups that, you know, like Soundgarden and Pearl right, Jam right, right. and Nirvana yeah, yeah. and all that, Alice in Chains. But for every Nirvana that we had, we also had a Dinosaur Jr. Now, Dinosaur Jr., like, they're indie rock royalty, but they're not as accessible as Nirvana. Right. There's probably no way they deserved any kind of play on mainstream radio they're one of my favorite bands i don't mean that in a disrespectful way right. i'm just saying like you can listen to the most accessible dinosaur jr song and that's not something you would hear in the top 40 yeah i mean it, yeah if you're gonna like speak to that it's just like all those other bands that were maybe secondary or third you know like helmet mm -hmm. Qu you know quicksand you know fucking like the breeder the breeders like you could just verb yeah. assault like you could just go on and on and on about just right. all these like the meat puppets like you know, like nobody, had, you know, meat puppets had no business being remotely popular, right? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, of course, you're going to have burnout. Um, you're going to have burnout after if people, if all these labels has got, instead of having 10 bands on their, on their roster, they've got like 35 or 50 right. bands there. It's, it's hard because the, the people are, are following the market. Do kids like this? Do kids like this? So yeah. they was playing all that weird stuff on the radio. Right. But now when the Telecommunications Act come in, um, 
1996 when this was first signed in in February, so it was the very first of the year. Okay. Now, now they, now all the major stations that were being bought out um, were owned by major labels and and companies like Live Nation and all. Jesus. Now man. they want they wanted to listen to what people was really listening to. Right. Because this was gonna this was gonna be make or break. Do kids want to listen to the new Tom Petty record? Yeah. Do they want to listen to the Not a Surf record? You right, know. Right. Right. So, right. Right. In saying that, 1996 was kind of the year of one hit wonders. Okay. But they weren't one hit wonders because of the band's output. They were one hit wonders because when a group come out and they had that hit, they really didn't give them a second chance to have the follow up hit. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. So the the market change to where they if the band wasn't performing the way they want it just drop them and they're signed to contracts so they couldn't just say hey you're fired they would make the band so miserable that they would want out of their contracts okay can you give me so, like an example of like one of these bands um i'm gonna give you my favorite band you knew it was coming but super drag oh, okay okay yeah i should have okay, known <laughs> so, all right i'm sorry i have to mention a nashville band or actually a knoxville band at some point but uh they're the prime example they had that hit song sucked out yep. it was a huge hit it was on the radio great fucking this song great great band uh but when it come time to listen to their second single mtv only aired the video at 3 a.m like maybe four or five times. Yeah, in their... so just like on 120 minutes or some shit like that. I don't even think it was on 120 minutes. It was probably like on Dreamtime or something. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. no one saw it. Yeah, uh, it's a better song than Sucked Out. Um, but people people didn't hear it because they knew the label knew at the time that we weren't going to push this. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. That changed, and that explains why there's such weird music in 1996. And think about it. We had big groups like you know Metallica come out with the record, Slayer come out with the record, but all those groups were struggling with identity because even the bands couldn't follow what was popular because there was too much for people to listen to. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, when when you like when you start talking about that, like it really starts to get to the point where you know, like you dictate. You know, like, so these big companies, big corporations, you know, like, start to dictate what is going to be popular, period, because they're going to decide what gets played, right? Right. Now, payola is what they call that. It's when, that's when a label pays a radio station to play their song. Right, that's right. Illegal. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but when you that's... own the radio station and you own the band, how, you know, can't you just tell them what to play? Well, when a major company owns the radio station, there's no such thing as payola. Right, exactly. That's what I mean, yeah. So, um, now you would think that because all the radio labels own the stations that you was going to hear a bunch of synthetic stuff that was popular. Right. But but the 90s was like, I mean, it was just a couple of years that Nirvana came out, so they really didn't even know. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they kind of let everything like stew in 1996 we had big groups like the smashing pumpkins that were kind of like of the nirvana right maybe like kind of second tier but um they were super huge right. but then you had like groups that that were that were putting out that used to be top 40 like a couple of years before like counting crows or hootie and the blowfish but they were putting out music that was slightly darker or more mature right so they didn't know how to market it yep you know um, we all know that the Counting Crows and Hootie and the Blowfish were super huge when they dropped their first albums. 
you you couldn't turn on the radio without hearing yeah. Mr. Jones or and it sucked. I mean, it's terrible, but yeah, I mean, um, you you just talking about it's making me sad. It's a bummer. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, both of those bands released music in 1996 that were big departures from Mr. Jones or Hold My Hand. Yeah, yeah. that that Hootie and the Blowfish record is actually really not that bad. Um, <laughs> that's objectively. Coop, I um, will end this podcast. Uh, but I'm talking comparing to the other one, and the same go and the same goes for Counting Crows. They released that their second album, that the album that came out in '96, is more of a rock record rather than that granola, you know, <laughs> grunge pop. But the thing about it is, it, they knew that it wasn't going to turn in the same numbers as what they had previously, so they didn't push it. Okay. So that's why no one knows any of those songs from the Counting Crows in 1996 or Hooting the Blowfish. They just know the ones that when they were first came out that we heard a zillion times. Yeah. It's almost like they, they, they took these middle tier groups and kind of pushed them under the rug, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's kind of funky to think like just like scrolling through stuff like this is when like because, you know, obviously a few years later. Or whatever is really when like pop really started to fucking take over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and like this is the year where those like seeds got planted. You know what I mean? Like, oh, definitely. And if you notice, nineteen ninety seven, um, the following year, uh, everything is streamlined. There's there wasn't many. Um, it was you was either a major arena group or you were a a new group that no one had ever heard before. Right. Because when you're a younger group, you can be manipulated easier and shaped into other things. Right. You know? Okay, okay. Uh, 1997, like, one of the bigger groups in 97 was Sugar Ray. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Oh, Smash Mouth. You know? Like, so, ugh, yeah. That's the yeah. thing. That's the thing when you think about the 90s. Is like, for me at least, like, you know, like, I'm not going to front and say, that, like, the music died in 96 or anything, any bullshit like that. But like you could easily find like good bands, good music, like whatever, like it was just there for the taking. Right. And it wasn't just the rock genre. Like, yeah. Think of all the hip hop that come out in 1996. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For the, sure. I mean, for sure. Any, any kind of music. Electronica was getting big at the time. Yep. yep. And then like kind of just like the latter half of that decade just became like you had to, you had to start digging. Like you had to, you had to go search out like good shit. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't mm -hmm. just there, right in front of your face. Like you had to kind of sift through all the bullshit to try and find, you know, like the like quality shit. And the thing that sucks too is like a lot of bands either like went on hiatus around like ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, mm -hmm. or just straight up quit. You know what I mean? Right. Or, you know, and, like, there's a lot of groups that you never heard from again. Like, hey, whatever happened to them? Yeah. You know, they didn't They didn't have an album that tanked, or they didn't break up. You just didn't hear of them anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And that's why, because by the time the end of 1996 came around, um, they kind of knew the formula. And okay. less was the formula. Everything pop got really big in 1997. Right. Because they started shoving all these groups and artists together. You know, having less of them, you know, let's get rid of all these 10,000 bands that we signed two years ago. Yeah. And let's focus on these new ones or the established ones. Yeah. No, no more mid-tier, you know. Yeah. Think of all the big groups that come out in 1997, just like the spring of 97, like people, like Third Eye Blind or, or Matchbox 20. Oh, no. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse, yeah. and, but more generic too, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, for sure, for sure. Yeah, if had Matchbox Twenty come out in 1996 and was on mainstream radio, people would have done forgotten about it. Right. You know, yeah. Sugar Ray shouldn't have been on the radio and w- wouldn't have been on the radio in 1996. But um, in what you're saying about how much stuff, how much good music was out in 1996, it was because it was variety and that variety was For being sure. explored. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so people didn't know what was popular. So they they give everything to everybody just to see what would make it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um that's like that again that's a big thing about you know hey well we own everything so we don't have to put millions of dollars in hundreds of bands we could put the same millions in 10 bands yeah and make and make more money okay this makes sense this makes sense yeah that's crazy dude like you're like i was just like oh yeah 96 and like some shit changed after and that you're getting all like <laughs> you're getting all like researched about it and shit now i'm like my my mind's kind of like blown <laughs> <laughs> well i mean think of all the big groups in 1996 i mean you can't count the smashing pumpkins because i mean melancholy I mean, come out in 95 and yeah, that, but they were they still like that riding summer. that they were still riding that like super hard like I would argue that the Pumpkins were the biggest band in 96 wouldn't you oh, say they, Oh clearly yeah. clearly they were um but they were also working on by the time 1996 came to an end they was already collaborating collaborating with Trent Reznor they had that song I from the Lost Highway soundtrack which is straight up techno yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I, I am not an Adore fan, so I'm just, I'm just gonna, like, yeah, so. Right, but my point is that they was already starting to change themselves, Yep. so I, I can't really put them into the change so much, Right. but look of all the established groups, Soundgarden, I mean, that's my favorite uh, Soundgarden album that so came out that year. So fucking good, so fucking um, good. But that's a departure from their other music. I mean, it's not really grunge or Yeah, but I feel like heavy. it's like a natural progression. Like Yeah. Like you can't you listen to Super Unknown and then you listen to Down on the Upside and you're like, "Okay, like I don't like there's, you know, like it, yeah, it's less heavy in in mm-hmm. parts or maybe the majority of the album, I don't know, how you know. I would I would agree to either one. But Right. But like it it's like a it's like a logical progression, don't you think? I think it's a logical progression, but it's still a departure. Okay. Um, okay. And my my point is that that departure, the labels didn't know how to deal with that departure. Yeah. So these groups can make it on their own name, so there really wasn't a whole lot of need. Like, oh crap, they're we're playing psychedelic music, so let's drop Soundgarden now. Right. You know, they didn't have to worry or panic. Right. Um, right. But they also didn't have to push so much. We're playing videos twenty four hours a day. Right. They they were going to sell themselves. Metallica. Right. Metallica come out with an alternative album in 1996. <laughs> yeah. was, this, was, was this load or reload? Was this, that would be load. Reload's load? the second one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm trying to remember. If, I, sorry, so load came out in 96, and then yes. reload came out in 97 or 98? Yeah, like the end of 97. Okay. So, okay. yeah. But, okay. I mean, that, that's a major departure for Metallica. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah. I, I don't, it's just I have the I have the dumbest smile on my face thinking about how ridiculous it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and look at Alice in Chains; they were one of the big ones, right? Yeah. Um, their album that came out around I can't remember exactly. The self title came out in ninety five. 
from what okay. I can remember. All right, but that was still a more of an acoustic, more of a somber album oh, than that actual fucking heavy. So good. That album was so I know, good. It's, it's my favorite Alice in Chains record. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. Is like some of these bands that had survived. I guess you know, like I don't know, like like Soundgarden, like you know, like they had progressed past this like more kind of like aggressive kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And because they are such good, like, bands and, like, songwriters and shit like that, that, like, in 96 or around this time, like, some of those bands kind of as they were, I guess, fading out, I don't know, like, they, in my mind, like, put out, like, some of their best shit. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. And it the thing about it is because they defied what they were pigeonholed as. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, when yeah. you when you think of, like, oh, it's grunge, you know, all those bands hate it being called that because they weren't grunge isn't a thing that's just a marketing thing to you know right but um that soundgarden album was more influenced by like late 60s early 70s kind of like psychedelic it was kind of like a a really it was like the doors playing heavy metal right (laughs) you (laughs) know yeah yeah. and but every every one of those well-established rock bands were going against what they were you know labeled as i mean we got we got to hit on we got to hit on like the stone temple pilots album like that was that, a fucking huge departure, but it was still dope. Right. I mean, it was more glam than it was grunge. Yeah. You know, more Bowie influence. Yeah, like and art, again, yeah, kind of art rocky. Yeah. That's my favorite STP album. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with you on that for sure. So. Right. Uh, but uh, look at all the other groups that had. Um, again, going back to the terrible music like Hootie or right. Counting Crows, all those groups, even them those mid-tier groups were doing going against what they were um it weezer even did it you know pinkerton we all praised pinkerton as the greatest album from weezer and i think it is that album tanked oh yeah it got yeah it just got absolutely fucking drop kicked (laughs) and it got tanked because no one no one's like hey this doesn't sound like what they did a couple years ago this is different right i mean it took it took a while for that to get its own traction so all the established groups um the so, labels weren't on. pushing like, them. So Weezer's making me think of something, though, a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, and I'll make it short. But, like, yep. so, so you know, like, departures happened for, like, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, um, Alice in Chains, whatever, you know, Smashing Pumpkins starting to kind of make that change, too, right? So right. the thing, the difference between them, you know, maybe getting a pass and Weezer not getting a pass is Weezer, this was the second Weezer album, right? So they hadn't really, like, although, like, the, you know, Blue album, like, I think is, like, Diamond, so it sold, like, 10 million copies, right? So it was hugely popular. But, like, they hadn't, like, established themselves or their sound. So so when they go away from this, like, power chord kind of, I don't want want to call it pop punk, but, you know, it kind of had that kind of, like, fuzzy kind of pop, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Right. To go from that to that, like they don't have that base where like they hadn't they hadn't like earned the trust from like their fans yet. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Where, like Soundgarden had put out fuck at least I mean three full lengths and then like you know they had a bunch of EPs and kind of like compilations before that like in the 80s, right? And then mm-hmm. like Stone Pods maybe is a stretch because they were only that was their third album, so they were only two albums in. But again, they'd kind of like established themselves, right? Right. Where Weezer, it's like, okay, well, this is your second album, and you just completely fucking, like, 
I don't want to say like completely redid what you like what worked on the first one, but pretty damn fucking close. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, my point is that pretty much every popular band that was established, even if they come out five or six years before 1996 or in 1995, everything that was popular before 1996 that put out music in 1996 showed a different departure. Right. Um, like, look at Green Day. You know, Dookie was super huge, right? Right. Um, it's yeah. one of the uh, highest selling, most highly regarded pop punk albums ever. Um, yeah, yeah. Look at their album that came out in 1996. That's like, Insomniac, right? Right, Insomniac. Now, we know that, but like you don't hear Insomniac songs on the radio. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there's some fucking bangers, though. They went like heavy. They went like heavy <laughs> following that. Like, you know, uh, I don't like Green Day. I never was a Green Day fan, but I, I sound like a broken record now, but that's probably my favorite Green Day record. <laughs> you're just one of those like anti-establishment people. Like anytime, anytime <laughs> somebody shits on an album, you're like, that's my favorite album. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's a popular Green Day album amongst fans, you know. I'm just saying that like it's weird because, I mean, when you people talk about the sophomore slump, um, I know that's not their first records or whatever, but yes. um, those those records are coming from those those first weird records or departures are coming from an honest place because most of these bands now have the resources to stretch their legs a little bit. Sure, sure. You yeah. know, otherwise Weezer wouldn't have made Pinkerton. If Buddy Holly wasn't a hit, they wouldn't have had Pinkerton. Right, right. You know? yeah. And uh, I mean, even even punk at the time um slayer another favorite group of mine they didn't know what to do in 1996 so they released a punk covers album yeesh and it's uh, that that album actually got me into a lot more um legit punk you know yeah so uh i i can't hate on that record because i i liked it and it introduced me to like music i probably wouldn't have listened to but this is a metal group the the most dangerous metal group ever and they didn't know what to do yeah. you know like hey we don't like where music's going so let's go back you know instead of appeasing the kids they went to what they liked when they were kids so like even these powerful groups really didn't know where to go next how come you haven't talked about the second corn album dropping in 1996 <laughs> i thought it i thought that dropped in 97 life is peachy yeah, I think according that was like to Wiki, it's ninety six, and like it's the ninety six seems right. Uh I remember the Adidas video, but yeah, that video was dope. I like that song. That's a good song. Look, man, like I know that corn is terrible. Like I yeah. understand it. Like I, 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 I get mm -hmm. it. You're not gonna see me running around in a fucking corn t shirt or anything like that. Right? <laughs> right. But like, as far as their albums go, like I'll. I've always been like curious about them. Like I'll listen yeah. to them. Like I've put right. them on, like I bought their CDs, like all that shit. And like, they're always going to be cringy, but yeah. like their second album is actually like pretty fucking solid. Okay. So would you say that their second album is your favorite corn album? No, but I'm outing myself, and I don't really want to go much further. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll give you that pass. That's a topic for the new metal episode we'll have one day. I mean, no, I'm fine. I'll out myself. I'll fucking out myself. Fine, fine, fine. So it's probably my second favorite. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. But because hold on, I've no. already done this, so I might as well mm -hmm. just just go for it. Okay. Just say it. <laughs> um. 
Untouchables is my favorite corn album. <laughs> I I don't know the corn albums. I know the first two and that's it. Uh, or, or the no, one that come out after. You know it. the third one. You know follow the leader. Don't. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. I forgot about that one. But yeah. Okay. All right. I'm I don't even know if I listened now. to. Them. I'm embarrassed. I'm gonna leave the podcast. I won't be back. <laughs> There's no episode three. This one will also be shelved. Um, no, but um. In, in, but though, see, that represented something new that was coming out because right, around right, 1997, like the, thing, yeah. the labels are like, hey, look, metal sucks now, uh, hip hop's big, so let's see if we can combine those two or sign the groups that are combining the two, and that could be the new rock. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so... Korn's success. I'm not. I'm not saying that Korn wouldn't have been popular either way because their first album came out like '94 and it was popular. But yeah. um, still, the the rise of groups like that is pretty much fallout from the from 1996. Right. Right. Um, 100. Because because yeah, there because... was a void left by like the rock bands that had kind of given up or departed or just kind of whatever, and like the kids wanted their like heavy shit back. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, they all felt that it was underground from then on out. Because think think back at 1997. Was there any popular heavy music in 1997, mainstream-wise? Yeah, I mean, unless you're going new metal, then no. Right, exactly. So yeah. all those new metal, new metal groups were new bands. Right. So there was, like, no established um, heavy groups coming out in 1997 because... They killed the 90s in 96, and it's like, look, anything that come out before 1997 is outdated. You don't want to be outdated. You want to be cool. Right. You know? Right. So, so 1996 killed the 90s. Well, the grunge movement, or alternative rock, I guess you should say. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's crazy, though. Like, it's like so many fucking good albums dropped that year. Like, so many good albums. Like, we haven't even talked about, like, Evil Empire from Rage. Like... Oh right, yeah. You know, well, like, I mean, I guess, I guess, Rage would probably be your first new metal. I know they're not new metal, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mainstream mean, successful new metal. Yeah, I mean, it's rap rock new metal. I mean, it, it sucks that they got lumped into that because there's so much more and they're so much deeper and like mm-hmm. and better, better, so much more important. <laughs> like you know, but yeah, I mean, it's hard not to lump them in with like new metal. It just kind of is what it is, you know. Well, okay, so look at hip hop in nineteen ninety six. Um, hip hop, uh, like before nineteen ninety six, it was just getting mainstream. Yep. Like we all liked Snoop Dogg and Dre and all that stuff, uh, and stuff that we would consider probably young people now would consider underground. But hip hop was gaining traction in the mainstream. Yeah, by I, mean, 19, I would, I would by make the argument that like it was a, it was a basically it, like a steady build up. That like it was getting there, yeah. That like the wave got really big, like mid '90s, and then like mm-hmm. this is where you start to see like, you know, like outcasts and shit like that, like really just start to like dominate a lot yeah. of like the pop space, I suppose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at um, was it Tupac's album that came out in '95? Like All Eyes on Me. That that came out in '96. I think it, I think he dropped it like right before he got shot or something like that. Okay, but that was like that album was everywhere. Right. Right, so that was like legit mainstream. Like the music videos were like action movies and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so my point is with that is hip hop changed in 1996. It stopped being about, you know, like robbing people and survival and culture, and it became more glam. Yeah, more about yeah. the money that you make. So, yeah, I would changed. definitely. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, man. Wow. And 
and hip hop has mainstream hip hop hasn't recovered since then. That's been the trope with mainstream hip hop. Yeah, is about confidence and you know what I got, what you don't have. You know. Yeah. Yeah. In the I mean, mainstream, it, it was I mean, always it was always there, but yeah, it definitely became like I am rich, basically. Right. Yeah. And that I mean, I am rich is basically the opposite of everything that come before nineteen ninety five in hip hop. Yeah, it was always I mean, about the struggle. The, vi- the vibe, know. the vibe is definitely like more street kind of oriented. Where mm-hmm. yeah, you can start to see the turn for sure. Dude, we haven't even talked about Fantastic Planet got released in nineteen ninety six. <laughs> I mean, look, that was, I mean, that's Fantastic Planet. I mean, that's my favorite record from him, too, so. <laughs> yeah, this, the, how many, how many episodes is 1996? Are we going to do, like, a seven-parter? On uh, <laughs> we could. We could. Shit, man. Crazy. I'm just saying, like, think of all the good stuff that came out 25 years ago that changed immediately. Right, right, for sure, for sure. Dang. How old? How old were you in 1996? John? Uh, so this would have been basically 1996 is when I peaked as a human being. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> well that's good. <laughs> I, I was I was uh, I was 13. So yeah, I would have been. Me too. It would have been the back end of seventh grade, and like that summer. Yeah, yep. That's when I peaked for I, sure as a human. I I was okay. I turned 14 in October. So. Basically, the summer of 1996 was me at my peak, I guess. <laughs> wait, I mean, think about it. You're fuck. riding around with your wait, zero what year, t-shirt. What year were you, you know? born? What year were you born? <laughs> 82. Okay, I was born in 82. When's your birthday? October 12th. Okay, so you're like two months older than me. Yeah, okay, so I was 14. So yeah, we're like the same age. Yeah, we were like we had the same interests, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, think about it. You're, it's 1996. We're 13 years old. We're riding around on our bikes. Zero t-shirts on. <laughs> Dude, I had, I had so, like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a huge derailing here. So Do it. I, I have absolutely no game, like, with the ladies, with anybody. I have no game, okay? Right, okay. In 96 is when I had the most game. <laughs> and it has... Well, it was 1996. And Everyone had fucking, game. <laughs> my fucking game basically fell off a cliff, like pretty much after that. <laughs> so I was like, I was like living the dream that summer, like making out with girls, like just like yeah. I told you, man, I peaked in '96, and I've been a terrible person ever since. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of the whole theme with the Smashing Pumpkins, 1979? Yeah. It, that song sounds like nostalgia. I mean, like 1979 oh, is just yeah. a, it's a random number. Like Billy Corgan was probably like five years old in 1979, but right, right. it's just, it's just a, a random number. But that song is nostalgia. Like For that's sure. why that song is so good because everybody can relate to it. Yep. Everyone can relate to like summer when we all peaked. <laughs> yep. yep. I haven't been right since my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and other, I mean, like, look at the established groups, too. Uh, Van Halen broke up twice in 1996. How the fuck are you going to break up twice in one year? This is well, because the, they brought in Roth, right? And then that didn't work, and then they brought in a, that other singer dude, and then that didn't work after they made the album? Uh, that was later, okay. Oh, okay. So, all right, so they, br- Twister, the movie Twister broke up Van Halen. <laughs> 
this was during uh, Hagar, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, so this is this is a great story. But okay. the second time they broke up was when they got David Lee Roth back and okay, blah blah okay. blah. You know that sucked. Okay. Right. So. All right, so Van Halen just come off like the world tour, and they're one of the only groups that still made relevant rock music in the grunge era. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, Sagar, I mean Hagar sucks, but they were still popular and relevant. Okay. All right, so they was going to take their break, and the dude from the movie Twister, the director, uh, approached them about recording a song. Um, I think it was... Yeah, it was for Twister. Record a song for Twister, and that would, like, ride them out for the rest of the year while they take their break and uh twisters clearly about tornadoes the dude's like look if you write this song don't mention tornadoes in it i don't want a song about tornadoes and van halen's like yeah okay whatever you know dude i've never even heard of this director like jean de bont is a dutch cinematographer uh, like what is he 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 directed he directed speed before oh fucking uh, speed's a great movie yeah i mean all he produced slc punk that's kind of cool yeah, he's a cool dude. I, you know, check his stuff out. But um, but the point is, like, this dude was a big director at the time because okay. of speed or whatever. Okay, 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 okay. Or whatever. So he's like, uh, you know, do your thing, Van Halen. Just nothing about um, tornadoes. I don't want a song about tornadoes because that's, like, super lame. Uh, and, like, Eddie Van Halen's like, yeah, fine, no big deal. He, like, knocks the song out, like, records the whole song, and Sammy Hagar's going to write the lyrics for it. Okay. And, um... <laughs> He's like, oh, he brings lyrics to the director and is like, okay, so I'm going to call the song this. And like, that's a tornado reference. I told you no tornadoes. Yeah. And uh, so he like kicks him out. And like Eddie's like super pissed at this because, you know, like, it's really <laughs> embarrassing. Like, Sammy, you got one job. You sing, you make the lyrics. Right. Um, all right. So he calls up a week later. Hey, can I have the script for the movie just so I can get the feel for different scenes? <laughs> And the director's like, uh, all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he gives him some stuff. They, he sh- shows up lyrics. Okay, so here's what I'm working for with these scenes. They're like, Sammy, these are referencing tornadoes again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it gets into a huge fight with Eddie and Sammy, and then Sammy walks before the song's finished. So um, they record the song, and they, they there's like two or three verses that weren't even finished into the song so Eddie just replaces them with guitar solos and uh yeah and after that like things went really south for them and they end up like look we're not dealing with this anymore we've got a greatest hits album come out let's get Dave back just to record a couple songs and see how it goes and they of course broke up <laughs> but in saying that the song the song from Twister and Van Halen is probably the best Sammy Hagar Van Halen song <laughs> Dude, that is, this is a fucking, that is just an insane story. Like, don't write about fucking. <laughs> and he just, oh. like, can't wrap his fucking head around it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I gotta write about tornadoes. No, oh, and the best thing is, you can look this up. You can look this up. The song the title that he had um, for this song that he's working on was called The Suck Zone. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> 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 and I guess one of the arguments is like Eddie's like, look, we're not recording a song called The Suck Zone. It's just not gonna happen. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, it's a little ridiculous though for like the bon or whatever this director to be like yeah. don't write me a song about tornadoes even though I'm making a fucking movie about tornadoes. Right. But I mean how many how many songs have you heard from movies that directly reference what's going on in the movie? Hmm. I don't know. 
Probably it's Van mine. Halen. We don't listen to Van Halen for songs about tornadoes. We hear songs about drinking and partying and <laughs> and human anatomy. You know. <laughs> so that story could only have happened in 1996. Uh, yeah, that's some like people just doing whatever the fuck. They want. <laughs> <laughs> but a great story. Uh, yeah. Fuck yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. That's kind of when you're like, Van Halen, you, you got you guys, you, you got, you're just, it, things are getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about Beck either. Oh, yeah. Uh, Odalay came out in 1996. Fuck! Really? Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, dude, and look, that's too much. Yeah. Oh man, like, we can, we can go on a dish. See, I originally, um, for those listening still... Um, I had originally planned on doing a, uh, a year-long series about the weird stuff of 1996, you know, in articles. I was, I had a bunch of um, interviews I wanted to try to reach out to certain people. And uh, a few people were kind of cool in my idea, but they didn't understand that it was going to be articles and not, like, a TV show. So <laughs> that kind of turned them off. But... Uh, I did reach out to a few people, and a couple artists were super cool. Like, I reached out to the dude from Primitive Radio Gods. Do you remember that band? Yeah, 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 yeah. They had that song, that telephone, out, wait, was it Standing Outside a Telephone Booth? Yeah. What money, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, I reached out to that dude. He has, like, zero presence on um, social media. Okay. He's, like, strictly old school, but I, I kept searching and searching and searching, and I ended up uncovering his email and I sent him an email saying I wanted to interview him and talk about the hit song or whatever. Yeah. And he told me, he emailed me back like the same day. And he's like, hey, that's a really good idea. And I really appreciate you like hunting me down. But uh, I would rather I would rather talk about, um, I'd rather talk about music that I'm doing now rather than sticking in the past. Right. But unfortunately, I'm not making any new music right now. So if you want, I can send you a download to everything that I've got. But uh, basically, <laughs> he's telling me, he's like, I'm not going to be interviewed, you know. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> but I thought crazy. that was super cool though. Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man. This is a huge fucking subject for episode 2. We went we went big. We went big. Yeah. I mean, you could talk all day about all the hit songs that probably shouldn't have been hits in 1996. I mean, the Butthole Surfers. I mean, they literally had the name of their band because they didn't want to be mainstream. Right. And they had that song Pepper, which is basically just a ripoff of Loser from Beck. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, uh, more one-hit wonders. Uh, Tracy Bonham. Do you remember her? Oh, God. She had that song Mother Mother. Yo, when did the Lilith Fair happen? 98? That was 97. Okay. Oh, okay. And that kind of goes back into after radio stations knew what they wanted. Okay. Um, so if you if you think about it, the groups that got popular in 1997, they turned them into superstars in 97 from 1996. Like, Jewel was had a couple hit songs in 96, like okay. Google Save Your Soul and that other one, oh, um, yeah, which is garbage. But then in 1997, suddenly she's like a headliner on her own tours and stuff. Like, how? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl Crow, she was another one that became a superstar yeah, for no yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that is brutal. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, uh, like, 97, like, is the year that everything really sucked. <laughs> it really was terrible. Like, yeah, we had to, yeah. Like, it went from, like, 
you know, being annoyed with like half the songs, you know, in 96 or whatever, like, and then 97 was just kind of hell. Like, I think that's yeah. when like Sublime got big, like Homeboy died and they dropped that fucking self-titled and like. That was 96. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. But at any other time when they have gotten success, which that's kind of like a post-mortem thing. So yeah, good point. That kind of helps to sell records, you know. Man, I I listened to that album a while back just uh, to be like I had because uh, I wasn't a I'm not a Sublime guy and I never right. have been. Right. But I was like, oh, I'm gonna listen to this because I had as an adult. So like two summers ago, I think I listened to it just to be like, oh yeah, this was something I had to listen to in the summertime of '97 or '96 or I don't know, fucking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good God, dude! There's literally a song about having sex with a twelve-year-old. It's like a I hit. just, I just tweeted that like last week. Um, like that was a yeah. hit. It was a hit. It was a hit. Like the video was on fucking constantly. Yep. Like, and it was this adult man talking about having sex with a twelve-year-old. It's the opening lyric. Yeah. He names. He is the opening lyric. He says the character in the song's twelve years old. Yeah. Like what the. F- fuck like how yeah. did how what mm-hmm yeah dude okay yeah i was just like i hadn't i hadn't thought about them or that band or anything right like and i <laughs> listened and i was like oh yeah this song and then i was like holy fuck like what <laughs> it was just a different time back then oh, human sex trafficking was okay i guess holy <laughs> shit dude like that was a hit though like it was all, I know. all the time i know oh. I mean, all their hit songs are terrible. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, Sublime's that's my not a opinion. good band. I don't fucking yeah. like Sublime. Like, they can fuck yeah, up. They suck. That's one of the worst groups. They had no business being popular. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of garbage, though. Like, well, I mean, I like the group Garbage. They had a big year. <laughs> I think that was, like, their last big year, wasn't it? Uh, no, they had some hits. Probably, like, a 98, I think. Uh, so this is Garbage 2.0 it was the album that dropped around that time, right? That was the one that came out in 98, yeah. Oh, okay, so okay, so they were still on the first one, okay. Yeah, so yeah, their first album came out like in the end of 95, I think. But like all their hit songs was in 96. Yeah. All right, sweet. We haven't even hit on movies, and I don't even think we should because then this episode's going to be like three hours long. Yeah, we can we can touch on that on another time, maybe towards the end of the the year before. Uh... I mean, I just want to say that Striptease came out in '96, and the fact that Demi Moore got paid like an insane amount of money to show her boobs is a thing. Okay, but I know, but the year before that, um, Showgirls came out. So isn't Striptease just like the big budget version of Showgirls? Yeah, but they paid Demi Moore twelve point five million dollars to show her boobs. That's cool. But the other movie had the girl from Saved by the Bell in it. Hey, man, I will not have any blasphemy about the movie Showgirls on this podcast. I okay? don't either. It, that movie is beautiful garbage. <laughs> look, that movie meant a lot to me back in the day, okay? That's okay, all I want to say. That movie meant a lot to you in probably in 1996. Yeah. <laughs> I have See? to basically base my existence around the fact that Showgirls molded me and helped me peak at 96 (laughs) (laughs) and that there has never been a better film since so i have struggled as a human since (laughs) well i mean even i know we won't go into the topic of movies because that would be like a five-hour podcast but um think of it 
even even in movies, movies changed to where we had tentpole movies in 1996 yeah. from then on out. Yeah. Like Independence, Twister, Independence Day. Yeah. Like um, the movie that no one ever talks about with the volcano. I think it was actually called Volcano. Oh, that's when I it really know. started to dive into like, we're going to fucking kill everybody on Earth and make all these movies that basically are like these like, like Mars Attacks. Like, <laughs> Yeah, which I love Mars Attacks. Mars so Attacks like, is fucking dope. That's a 1996 movie. Yep. Um, so, but I'm just saying, like, all the movies was destroying monuments and destroying things, and like, since then, every movie has been that. You can't turn on a friggin' Marvel movie right now, and there's always going to be a scene where they shoot a giant laser up into the sky. Yep. You know, yep. like everything come out of 1996. Yeah. That's very true. Very true. It's the most pivotal year in pop culture. <laughs> Man, Showgirls was great. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's kind of nuts to think about is like hmm. the nerdy, like stuck up, like sassy girl from Saved by the Bell. Her next project that she does is fucking Showgirls, and then I... that's pretty much it. Yeah, good for her, though. But you want to know, okay, you think that, okay, we love garbage and trash, right? That's why we like Showgirls. The best thing about Showgirls, though, is the TV version of Showgirls. (laughs) I don't think I've ever experienced the TV version. You owe it to yourself (laughs) to see the TV version of Showgirls. I promise you, you will, I don't drink, um, but if that, that, if I would, if I would drink, this would be the movie that you watch at a party. Because it's hilarious. They dub really poorly. Like, all the words are Dude, different. Dude, it has so to be, don't... like, 45 minutes long. Like, how are you keeping any sensible, like, part of that movie? Yeah. Okay, so, like, the nudity, they don't... They they blur it out with cartoon clothes. <laughs> oh, man. you got to look it up. Dude, I fucking, promise you, you will laugh. Fucking... The Twin Peaks guy, Kyle McLaughlin's in this movie. Like, he must have just been hurting after, like, Twin Peaks and shit. Like, dude's, like, an actor, right? Like, he's, like, in movies. He's in, like, good shit. And, like, this motherfucker's in Showgirls. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy, right? Yeah. That's 96. Like, he played a couple years earlier. He played Ray Manzarek in The Doors. And then he's on fucking Showgirls. Like... (laughs) That's, uh, yeah, oh man, that's great. He must have just had a tough year, you know. There, he, work wasn't coming in, and well, you know, in the '90s, everyone loved to be edgy. So someone really pitched that to him as this big edgy movie that's gonna like we're gonna release this movie that we know it's gonna be an NC-17. You know, you, you know what's fucking. So I'm looking at the the wiki and like, so it bombed in the theaters, right? So. Right. Showgirls only made like thirty seven million in the box office, right? It made it made thirty seven dollars in the box office. <laughs> yes, thirty seven million dollars. Thirty actually just thirty seven dollars. Right. So three tens and one five and two ones. Six people saw it. <laughs> but the thing that's fucking insane and it's so like typical is once it became out to once it came out to like rental, the mm-hmm. movie made an extra hundred million dollars. Exactly. <laughs> Because no one wants to go watch that show in a theater, like, next to their buddy. But, like, you yeah. can rent that motherfucker at home. And, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's great, though. But see, like, that was the thing with the 90s, though. Anything was edgy or extreme radical, dude. Like, that's what that's what everything was marketed to. Like, look at all the skate culture that got popular in nineteen in the 1990s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Video <laughs> games and... Oh, maybe I haven't even talked about video games, man. I mean, you know that you was dying for an N64 in 1996. Dude, I, yeah, I was glued. When the 64 dropped, I mean, I was already like a SNES guy. Yeah, Like, big time. But, I mean, and an NES guy before that. But, yeah, the 64 dropped, like... And then, I mean, they, they, they knew what they were doing. Like, then they dropped, yeah. like, Ocarina of Time, like, right after that. And it's like... No wonder I peaked in 90 fucking 6 because after that all I did was play fucking 64. <laughs> That's all I did after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean you weren't I listening to music because house. music yeah, cuz music sucked. So yeah, you had to get into sucked. something else. Music sucked. I had my home version of Showgirls and I said <laughs> <laughs> This is all making sense. This is why I peaked in 96 and these are these are all the reasons why. Yeah, see? Well, I mean yeah, it's yeah, and Surge, the drink Surge came out in 1996. Oh my god, that yeah, Jesus. <laughs> but you know, you think with that, that actually changed the way we looked at highly caffeinated drinks. We're still drinking energy drinks today, Ugh. and all that comes back to Surge being marketed that way. You're still drinking energy drinks. If I have caffeine, I turn into a, like an absolute like anxious nightmare. Are you serious? Yeah, can't, 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 can't do it. Unless I'm, like, Dude, drinking alcohol with it. Yeah, well, see, I don't drink, so I have to have something that keeps me going because I do physical labor for a living. Right, right. And I'm old. I'm not <laughs> who I was in 1996. <laughs> uh, do, do you, would you give up everything you have now to go be in 1996 again? Um, okay, so we like music and movies and showgirls and stuff, but if we're going to tie this back to what I feel about nostalgia, you're going to have to go back and read my Space Jam article, because okay, okay, okay. nostalgia sucks. You know, we keep, I'll get into it, like, really quick, I'll make a, I'll just, a bridge version. Everyone always wants to go back, because we're, like, that was a simpler time, or, but the thing about it is, it was a simpler time for you at the time. Right. The world was still a terrible place, and <laughs> and and it was probably worse in 1996 than what it is now. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I mean, songs about having sex with a 12 year old were perfectly fine. So right, and and done for humor, you know. Yeah, and then then you had movies like The Pest that came out in 1996. Oh, was that with John Leguizamo? Yes, <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually seen that movie. Uh it's Punishment. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, um, but no, I'm just saying that like, it, it, if you're gonna get into the mentality is like, oh, I'd love to go back. That means that nothing good is now, and that art peaked when you were a kid. Yeah, I mean, and that's I, yeah. uh, that's very unfair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's probably, I mean, obviously, but there's probably two more people, two people that appreciate new music right here. That like, yeah. That came out so garbly, but you know what I mean. Like, no, I know, right? Yeah, like nostalgia's great. Like, yeah, you can sit and hoot and holler about, you know, how good these bands were in their last albums and all that shit. But like, I'm definitely, we're definitely not, and I don't mean to speak for you, but like, not some of those people that just sit and be like, oh, '90s rock, and that's it. You know, like constantly <laughs> finding new music, constantly like searching out new music, like that type of shit. Like, 
music has not died, rock hasn't died, whatever people fucking say. Like, you just have to look now. You know what I mean? Speak for me, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, no, and that's the truth. Well, I mean, going back to 1996, that's when the internet first become was becoming a thing. Right. Okay, so music sucked in 1997 horribly, and probably in 98, too, but then we had the internet. So even though the the Telecommunications Act killed what we thought about 90s culture, it actually opened another door to where it gave us a new underground. Yep. Because, you know, I wasn't, when I was 13 or 14, I wasn't going to go to clubs and get cassette tapes of this new band coming out, but I would definitely download an MP3. Right. You know, right. so the internet became the new underground. So, And it probably wouldn't have been the new underground if it wasn't for this same act that killed, you know, the 90s. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, I don't know, it's like a curse. Like, the internet definitely has, like, fucked over musicians more than it mm-hmm. has helped. Like, yeah, your shit's more accessible. And, yeah. like, everybody can listen to you, but everybody can listen to you for free now. You know what I mean? That's true, but bands have always made more money uh, playing live than from record sales anyway. Yeah, I know, but this, like, you have to admit that, like, the only bands that have really made money off record sales are bands that existed before the internet. Oh, right. Yeah. That's also a big tangent. Sorry, I'm stopping there. Just, just that's, saying. Yeah, so. that's a whole other topic. Yeah, okay. Cool. Can I so, go yeah, down man. the list of people that were considered to be the main character in Showgirls before we sign off? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, what? I don't even. What is her name? Her name's like Elizabeth Berkeley or something, right? Yep. I, it, no, it's the Saved by the Bell's girl. That's uh, that's yeah. Okay. That's what we refer to as. Okay. So, the list can st- started with Pamela Anderson, Drew Barrymore, which if that would have happened, I would have died. Right. Angelina Jolie. I don't know who Vanessa Marcel is. Jenny McCarthy, Denise Richards, and Charlize Theron. So, like, I would argue that Drew Barrymore, Angelina Jolie, and Charlize Theron, if they would have done this movie, that would have been it. Okay, but look, being that Charlize Theron didn't do this movie, she did Two Days in the Valley, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, well, that's what I'm out- saying, like... And it I, came the, out in 1996. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm just saying, like, this could have been, like, career killers for, like, yeah, three right. actresses that ended up being, like, really fucking big. Do you know what right. I mean? Oh, yeah. man. Oh, we, see, I should have invited Elizabeth Berkley to this podcast. Oh, that would have been great. I'm going to do that. <laughs> cool. I want to reach out to Elizabeth Berkley and be like, look... <laughs> We want to talk to you about projects, not Saved by the Bell, just Showgirls. But not the movie Showgirls, what the movie did for your career, Showgirls. Yeah. Um, I wonder if she would respond. I don't know. I'm looking her up now to like see what she's doing. I know they had that Saved by the Bell revival on, on one of those streaming channels, but I don't think anyone watched that. Yeah, I mean, she actually has stayed very busy. Oh. Like... At least a handful of movies, like tons of movies. Like she was in something last year, and then yeah, same with TV. Like she st- she like didn't like disappear. Well, good for her. Yeah. Well, maybe she'll big time me and wouldn't even respond. <laughs> Look, man, I am not hating on anybody. I'm saying I'm here to say one more time 
The, the movie Showgirls was a blessing. Okay, okay, but look, okay, look, it was a blessing in 1996, though, not 1995, because it probably didn't come out on video till 96. Right? Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was a blessing in 96. And oh, hold up, though. Look, we're going back to the old podcast. You know what else had a really big year in 1996? Don't do it. I have to. Go ahead. The Foo Fighters. <laughs> I saw them on their like first kind of tourish that year. Oh yeah, yeah. Were they good? Fuck, they were amazing, dude. Like, of course they was, were. I mean, that was. That's know, when that they were was, good. Yeah, like, yeah. They're still good, like no, live. Not. But I no, mean, no, but no, no their I've music seen is them garbage, live and they are fucking terrible. No, no, I'm just saying, like, they still they're still relevant in terms of selling stuff out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, That's but this is when they topic, still yeah. had like half the of drive. Their, they had they had Sunny Day Real Estate's rhythm section. Yeah, Pat Smear was their guitar player when he actually wasn't just like this hack. Well, I mean, they just always, stood around. Yeah, I mean, he's always kind of been a hack, right? I don't know. Right. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was a good show. Is when is when he was like just obnoxious, just because he was obnoxious, not because he was obnoxious and like a character caricature. Right. Or whatever of himself. So, Oasis was also really big in '96. I'm not talking about Oasis. <laughs> That's these are things that we talked about in the old podcast. So we don't need to talk about those anymore. Look, there's never been a confirmation that there's two Gallagher brothers. Look, there's we, two there there's two Gallagher brothers. That's been confirmed. It's just we can't tell them apart. I don't know. I don't know and don't care which one's which. No, I, there's only one. No, they fight. So they they fight. It's not a Lord of the Rings thing. They they really do fight. But I just don't care which one's which. And no one should. Oh man. Awesome. And Wonderwall sucked. I I yeah. I fucking hate Oasis. Always have, always will. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. We better end this or I'm gonna start talking about Showgirls 2 Pennies from Heaven. Uh, <laughs> which I haven't seen. I haven't seen. See, that can be another episode, but we'll, we'll dive into that in another time. All right, cool. Um, so we're going to close it out with uh, thank you for listening. If you uh, if you found this on one of the streaming sites, please give us a good review. Uh, share it with your friends. Um, if you're a company or a brand who would like to advertise, please endorse us so we can have ad money. It depends. <laughs> Only if... It is the studio that brought us Showgirls. So that is, I would definitely that is, pimp a 4K restoration <laughs> Blu-ray blue, blue of Showgirls on this on this podcast. So we are only accepting sponsors from MGM, the movie studio. Sorry. Yes. So MGM, if you're out there, hit us up. Yes, and show and uh, Save by the Bell Girl. I love you. <laughs> Yep, perfect. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that's a good Yeah. Until next time, uh, this is Coop and John signing out. Peace.